This Torah class is brought to you by TorahAnytime.com. Alright, so this week's Pasha, Pasha of Koirach. Very hard Pasha to understand. How could Korach, who was from Levi and such a high level, how could he end up going against Moshe Rabbeinu and Aaron, and not only that, gathering 250 of the holiest Jews to to fight with Moshe Rabbeinu? So, I'm not going to get into this too deeply, but it brings down that all the Nishamas that are in this world, all of us that are here tonight, and all the neshamas, all the souls that are in this world are not new. Hashem's not making any more new neshamas. They're Gilgulim, neshamas that come back from last time. So if we were really bad, we would be in Gehenna, Chastashalom. If we were really good, we'd be in Ganeiden last time. So all of us in this room last time, Bainanim. We had to come back. We might, we might have been tzaddikim, but there's something that we have to come back into this world for, to fix. Right? Now, it doesn't mean, and, and you know, kids always ask me about Gilgulim, so which one's coming back? Which one of us? Gilgul doesn't mean the same person came, is coming back. You will never be again, and you never were. But, um, an Ashama has DNA markers. So, Moshe Benu was a Gilgul of Hevel. But Moshe Rabbeinu wasn't, wasn't Havel. Kayin was a Gilgul of, of uh, Kairach was a Gilgul of Kayin, but, but Kairach wasn't Kayin. What it means is that part of the Shama that didn't do well last time or that has to do with Tikkun has to be fixed. So it comes back as sort of, the, you're not your mother and father, but your DNA is, right? You, the color of your eyes, the color of your skin, the color of your hair, what your height's going to be, um, diseases, heart diseases, other diseases are, are, you know, in the genetics of a person. So, um, so even though you're not your parents, you are carrying the, your genetics. So, to understand what a Gilgal is, you, you're Zechariah Wallstein, Zechariah Wallstein. I wasn't Zechariah Wallstein last time, but I have a part of whatever that was last time, whoever I was last time, and that Zechariah Wallstein is carrying along in his neshama. And I have to fix that piece of the, of the neshama. So the neshama sometimes can have many different parts to it. We know that, um, Pinchas had Nadam and Avihu, both of them. So you can have many different parts. And this Gilgul, I'm not going to get into this, in Ruach, this Gilgul in the Nefesh, this Gilgul in the Neshama, this Gilgul in all the different parts of a person's, how he's living. So, um, it's very fascinating because it's brought down that in order to do a tikkun, in order to fix what you did last time, they will put you in the exact same situation. Not only the exact same situation, they will put you in the exact same place that the situation happened. And this time, you have to overcome it. If you overcome it, then you fixed what happened in that place. In time, because again, we're not going to get into it, but the next world, there is no time. So sort of what you're doing now is fixing what happened, but didn't happen. Because what was, what is, and what will be is all in the same moment. So if I can go back to that moment, transfer myself back in that moment, go through the same test, and fix it, then that moment never happened. Following this? Following this? Very deep, Tachamna. You got it? We're following? Yeah, you have to... You have to has to be... No, they were down already. They're up in Ghanaian. They don't have to come down again. So the ones that are waiting to be born, who are they? They're they're Gilgulim. They have to come back and fix something. So we have to have like I don't know how many neshamas, maybe six hundred thousand neshamas, whatever it is, that has to be fixed, has to be ready to go. Soldiers with nothing missing. So you have to end up in the same place with the same test. Overcome it, and then you fix your masaki, you fix that place in time where it is, and the Avera, and you did your tikkun. That doesn't mean you have to die the minute you do your tikkun, because even after you do your tikkun, there's a lot of other good things that you can do. But you did your tikkun. So, it's just very interesting. So let's say, who gave this shir? I don't know if I, I don't know where I heard this shir. It was a very fascinating shir. So, 
Let's say a guy who was Jewish and religious decided last time he's going to the church and he's going to convert and become a Christian. So they did the wafer and the water and they baptized him, right? That's what he decided to do. Now, you're telling me that he's going to come back to fix it. He has to go into a church. What's a Jew doing in a church? So how's he going to go back into the church to fix what he did wrong? So the answer is, he will have to go back into the church. But the question is, depending on what he became, why is he going into the church? So, could be that he's off the derech and he's becoming a non-Jew and he's, you know, going to be baptized again. Boom, so he failed. He went into the church, the same place, right? In a church. I don't, I don't think it has to be the same church, but in a church. And he's getting baptized. He messed it up. He got, came back to this world to fix something and now he's going to have to come back again or whatever's going to happen to him, right? So that didn't work. Or maybe he's in the church because he's in an AA group or an NA group. And all the groups, all the AA 12-step groups, where do they meet? They meet in the basement of a church. So it could be that he's not doing that veil of being baptized, but because he had an addiction and because of whatever he was going... So now he has to go and do his AA 12 steps in a church. Or, I remember when I was, when I was a te- not a teenager, after I got married, there was a very funny group, comedian group, that was off-Broadway. It was called Chicago City Limits. Had a lot of good, very, very good comedians. And my friends wanted to go see them. They were off-Broadway. Where were they? In the basement of a church. So I remember that they wanted to ask a Shiloh, you're not allowed to go into a church, but can you go into the basement of a church? It's a comedy act, right? No. I told them I'm not interested in the Shiloh. I'm not interested. I don't need to know. I'm, I'm not. The rough said no. The rough said no? Yeah. I was thinking, what do you think? That was the only play that was in the church? There were other plays. Uh-huh. Okay, so, so I don't know who my friends asked, but they went. I didn't go because I didn't ask, but I didn't want to know. But, but anyway, the bottom line is, so... They're not, they, they went to a comedy, ended up in a church, ended up in a comedy. But the ones in the comedy and the ones in the AA, maybe the AA, because they, because they fixed themselves, maybe that was their test, maybe it is their tikkun, I don't know exactly. But there's another guy, and he is a Rebbe. And he heard that his student went off to Derek, and he's going, to, he's going into the church to get baptized. And the Rebbe runs into the church to pull him out to save him. Ah, so now he was misogyny what he did last time. Last time he was, he went off to Derech and he was baptized. This time he's running into a church. He's talking in a church again. But why is he in the church? To pull out this kid that he shouldn't get baptized. So he was misogyny he did the Tikkun in the same place that he did the Avera and he talking did the Tikkun. So where you, that you're going to end up in the place that you did the sin, you're going to end up. The question is, according to who you are at that point, what are you going to be doing in that place? So, there, yes. Probably, unless something happened with this guy, and this guy is not being judged for it. He went through some something, some trauma in his life, and that's why he's there. Or is it Tenakshinishba? He absolutely, absolutely. <coughs> the Mishnah says that Hashem does din v'cheshbin. What's din v'cheshbin? Din is what you did wrong. Cheshben Hashem it makes a cheshben in the judgment of why you did it wrong and what you went through. That's how, only God can make that cheshben. hundred percent, hundred percent. Two people, two people can do the same sin. One can be punished, one not. For sure. What the cheresheit to be cut on? What you know? Absolutely. A guy lives his whole life, perfect family, everything's great, and he decides he doesn't want, he, he doesn't want to believe in Hashem. He doesn't keep the Torah. Another guy never learned any Torah. He lives in Phoenix. He lives, he lives in Oklahoma somewhere. He's a Jew. He never knew anything. So he doesn't ever keep Shabbos. This guy doesn't keep Shabbos. This way. They're going to keep, the, they're going to have the same judgment. Of course not. There's another kid who was born into a religious family, but he was abused, physically, maybe whatever, abused. And because of that, he's, he's going through depression and all kinds of other stuff. Therefore, he's watching movies on Shabbos because he's depressed. Shabbos are going to judge him the same way as the guy who has a perfect life and he's going to be living on Shabbos. We don't all get, we all get judged, every single person gets judged differently. Every person gets judged differently. Yes? Um, if a person does something very wrong and then does Teshuvah, is that like, is it wiped out properly? As if they're not going to get punished? So there's two kinds of Teshuvahs. 
One shoe we do out of fear, and one shoe we can do out of love. So I have a very famous story. Um, so when I, when about, I don't know, maybe five, six years ago, I was on Yom Kippur in Eretz Yisrael, and I was davening, and all of a sudden I remembered something I did when I was much younger, as a kid. Um, so when I was growing up, it still exists, but now it's kosher, then it wasn't. There was something called Cracker Jacks. And in the box of Cracker Jacks at the bottom was a prize. And I knew, well, we thought it wasn't kosher, because at that time, pretty much nothing was kosher, but you, you know, sugar daddies, all this stuff today, Mar, M&M Mars, in those days it was not, but, but today it is. So, I knew it wasn't kosher. I was maybe 13, 14, whatever I was. And I went to a store where I knew nobody would see me, and I bought it, and the Yetzirah told me I bought it for the prize. At the bottom was a prize. But once I put my hands in there, and the, the, the popcorn and all that good stuff, I ate the whole thing. Forty years later, I'm sitting in Eretz Yisrael, and I remember that I ate Cracker Jacks. But I'm very different than I was then. So, on Yom Kippur, I said to Hashem, I cannot believe, because my parents had what, had what to eat, I cannot believe that I could have bought anything I wanted, and at that age, I had a great life, that I did it, that I went against you and I ate these crack. I, I'm, I'm so sorry. It sounds very silly. Forty years later, I, I'm so sorry. If I would, if I would have been now, I would, I would never eat cracker jacks. I would never go against you. I love you and I'm sorry I hurt you. You should be, please be my chumid. So that, what happens when you do that? So the Rambam says what happens is fascinating. Since this world, and that's why teshuva to ask forgiveness was is brought down a chazal that when was it created? When this whole idea of teshuva. You could do something wrong and erase it. was created before the world. It wasn't created after Hashem created the world. The concept of shuva was created before He created the world. Why? Because in a world of time, in a world of time, you can't do shuva. You did something wrong two years ago. You can't go back and erase what you did. It happened two years ago. But in a world of no time, where past, present, and future is the same moment, right? So then, where there's no time... I could go back in the no time where I ate the Cracker Jacks and say, I would have never done that. I feel very bad. She was made out of, I, you admit what you did wrong. You have charata that you did something wrong and you make up that you're not going to do it and you don't do it again, right? So I go through the whole thing. Charata, hashava, vidui, the whole business, right? And so what happens? I go back in time to that moment when I went for the Cracker Jacks and so that there's... If I did it out of fear, oh my gosh, eight crack jacks, I'm going to go up to Shemayim, they're going to, you know, Hashem's going to punish me, right? So then it's just erased. So now, after 120 years, the Sultan's playing the movie of Wallerstein, right? And Wallerstein's walking into the store, looking around, making sure no one's around, goes up to the crack jack box, to where the crack jacks are. They see me putting my hand out, all of a sudden, the screen goes blank. And two minutes later, you see me walking out of the store. Now, so the Avera is erased. But everyone knows something happened. But, if you do tshuva me'ahava, says the Rambam, then not only is it erased, but it turns into a mitzvah. So what happens? They're playing after 120 years. Wallstein's walking into the store. The HR is like, yeah, look what he did. Cracker Jacks, Trafe, the peanuts and the popcorn. Look what he did. And you see me walking into the store and everyone's watching the movie, my the family and... Right in Shemayim, and Wallstein walks over to a Entenmann's, uh, not Entenmann's, to a, 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 a Reisman's cake, and the Yitzhak is screaming, What Reisman cake? There was no such thing as Reisman cake in, th- in those days. Where did your Reisman cake get into this movie? And Wallstein opens up the Reisman cake, and he makes a bracha, Baruchat Hashem, by the way, my name is Zainas, Alha Michya, the Sutton's jumping up and down, there's fire coming out of his eyes. That's how he looks, right? And his ears. And he's screaming, lies! Lies! Wildstein was eating Cracker Jacks! Everyone's sitting there like, what are you talking about? What a beautiful bracha. Beautiful. Wow. What happened? Because of the love of Hashem, the Avera, because if I was at that moment, I wouldn't have eaten the Cracker Jacks. I would have bought something that's kosher because I love Hashem. So that whole scene, because there's no time, changes. So it ends up that the Avera that you did turns into a mitzvah. Now you could say, it's not MS, Hashem's MS. He ate the Cracker Jacks. And the answer is, no, he didn't. No, he didn't. Because in the world of no time, he went back, he did tshuva, 
There is no Cracker Jacks. There's, there's Reisman, even though the Reisman wasn't in existence. Or something that was kosher, a banana or an apple, whatever it is. So, so the Rabbanon, and the Rambam writes this, they cannot understand that if we are given that power to go back in time and change our life, and we don't take it, the, he says, the punishment for not taking the eraser, the ability to go back and change it, to not use that, that the king is saying, like, what does the king say? Hey, imagine your father is a judge, and you're accused of murder, and you murdered someone. And the gun, right, what's, what's, what's going to take you down? Your fingerprints are on the gun. So the gun in the police station, there's a special room, right, where they keep all the evidence. So your father, who's the judge, sends you a message. I had someone leave the door open. The gun, you know, is there. Remove the gun and put a lollipop there. And no one can catch you. And you don't. You don't remove the gun, you don't put the lollipop there, you don't do anything. So then they come, the police, and they come with the gun. Your father's thinking, what? Are you, she didn't take, what? So it's come back with a lollipop, right? So your father's going to be angry at you. I told you to take the gun! I, 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 got, I, I got you out of this! And you, you, didn't, you didn't care enough to, to, to want to get out of this? So the, 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 the Rambam says, you're going to get a bigger punishment for not doing tshuva than the Amera! I gave you the chance to, to change your life, to change everything. And you didn't take it? And I created this before I even created the world? So a person who doesn't do tshuva, on top of not getting rid of your Avera, you're, you're, you're abusing something that Hashem is willing to give you, you're not using it. That's an insult. The tshuva is huge. But every single person is judged differently. No two people are judged alike. Who your parents are, your midos. Like, like one guy doesn't give tzedakah, and... Guy's in shul, guy comes by, no, I don't want to give you tzedakah. Goes to the next guy, I don't want to give you tzedakah. Now, one guy's very rich, the other guy's very poor. How can Hashem judge the two of them the same? One guy's a miser, since he's born, he doesn't know how to give away money. The other guy, he, he doesn't have that problem, he just doesn't want to give this guy money. Hashem can't judge them the same way. So no two people can be judged the same way. I'm only, usually I don't let anyone talk in my shirim, but being that you have that accent, I have to let you talk. <laughs> Yes, what were you saying? Um, sorry. If, if a person is trying to do shiva, they, like, they think they've done shiva, they've done it as well as they can, but they can't, they, they still get a lot of things in their life and they feel that it's still for those things that they did wrong, then what... Don't do? go there. Don't go, don't go to ladies' guilt. You don't know why things in your life happen. Don't try to be Hashem and say, oh, this is happening because I did this Avera, well, this is happening because I did this mitzvah. You don't know nothing. We don't know anything. Because we know, Moshe Rabbeinu asked Hashem, David Amalek asked Hashem, why do good things happen to bad people and bad things happen to good people? So according to you, bad things only happen if you did something wrong. So Moshe Rabbeinu, what's your question? Moshe Rabbeinu said, I see good people, and they're suffering. According to what you're saying, no, if you're suffering, it must be you did something bad. Then Moshe Rabbeinu would never have had a question. So Moshe Rabbeinu is saying, no, I know people who did nothing bad and they're suffering. And I know people who are all bad and they're, they're, they're having a good time. So you can't say that. You, you don't, don't beat yourself up. There's a Mishnah and the Mishnah is for you. The Mishnah is, ah, Tasma Atzcha, Russia. Don't make yourself into a bad person. Don't start saying, oh, this happened to me because I'm bad. Or I'm not this, I'm not married yet because I did that. Or this, I don't have children because I did that. You don't know nothing. We don't know anything. That question I'm not answering you. Then David Amelach bothered him too. Why do good things happen to bad people? Bad things happen to good people. If, if, if bad things only happen to bad people, it wouldn't be a question. So don't try to figure out why. Because you see people that did the same thing worse than what you did, and they have a perfect life. My high. You don't have an accent, but you're Ruth, so you can ask anything that you want. So let's say you did, you know, certain things, you ate them on culture, food, and you didn't. And you never eat it again, so you have to articulate it to Hashem, I ate the Kiddush, or the stand, you know, and the, 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 the real tshuva is feeling bad, not only not doing it again, that's part of it, but charata is the other part of it, feeling bad that you did it. And you have to, like you told Hashem, 
I'm sorry and I feel very bad that I did it and I love you and I'm not scared that I'm whatever I'm, I'm doing it because I, you gave me everything how can I do this to you right so that's that's called tshuva me'ava tshuva me'ava from a loving place that changes the whole that changes the whole situation so let's say you never did it again because you because you don't like cracker jacks you became an adult that's not tshuva so you didn't okay so if you real right so if you realize it you have to you have to you have to have charata that's part of it no we didn't have we ate jawbreakers and we ate jawbreakers and we ate cracker jacks and we ate sugar daddies and we ate M&M Mars and all this stuff because because they took yeah now they're kosher now they're kosher they were so the question is were they all kosher and just now they became kosher right so I'm hoping that all the stuff was kosher because the one thing that never became kosher was Wrigley's gum that never became kosher because the gum base of Wrigley's gum juicy fruit remember juicy fruit the silver foil so the, there was no kosher gum can you believe this there was, when I was growing up there was no kosher gum there was no orbit or bazooka from Israel there was no kosher gum so the only gum they had in the store was Wrigley's there was no, right then Trident came out what not kosher right no they had gum they had chiclets treif bazooka treif all that stuff was treif so Wrigley's, Wrigley's, this goes back to rationalization, right? And when I was growing up, so we made up between ourselves, if there's no ingredients, gelatin ingredients, if the ingredients look kosher, you could eat it. So it didn't say gelatin, you could eat it. So Wrigley's didn't say gelatin, but it said gum base. And no one knew that the gum base was made from gelatin. So to this day... Wrigley's gum is not kosher, and neither is Trident. Except this one rabbi got up and said, gum, this one famous rabbi got up and said, gum doesn't have to be kosher. But no. Yes, there's a rabbi that said that. Now people don't look at the ingredients, they just look at the... Has it all you? Right. No one would eat something today because it doesn't have gelatin, if it doesn't have ashkacha, no. But today's a whole different world, you can get everything. What can't you get, right? So it's a very different world. Okay, we're going way off the subject. Because um, we got to talk a little bit about Korach. So, you have what? What happens if you do the sin? You did the sin and you came back and you didn't do exactly the same thing. Then you go back and you don't come back. I, I'm not sure. I'm not. I'm, I'm not so controlling. I'm not sure. No, you don't have. You don't have. You have more than one. You three chances. That's not my question. Three. My question is. Right. It also brings down Seth Gugulim that women don't come back. No. My question is... That's what it says. You do the the women don't come back unless she was the cause of their... Women have to go through... In Shemayim, they got to pay their price. They don't come back. But um, but it says that unless she caused the man to sin, then she has to come back to, because she caused... She was a machti. But if she only did a virus that she wasn't making... She didn't cause another person to sin, then she... Did, what? So there's a whole machlekes in it. There's a whole machlekes. If today that's different, whatever. No, the bottom line. Let's end this discussion. The bottom line is that a girl went to my Rebbe Rabbi Gamliel and I was with her. And my, she knows my Rebbe Rabbi Gamliel is a mekubal. He's Rosh Hashiva Shari Shemayim. And she asked him in Hebrew, "Do you read palms?" Which was an insult. He's, he's a gadol. He's a gadol. But she asked. Him, there are some gadol that read palms. Whatever. Do you read palms? So my Rebbe asked, I was sitting there, he said, why do you want to know? So she said, because I heard that if you read someone's palm, you could see what they were, what they were in their life before this, who they were and what they were. So my Rebbe looked at her and he said, when you figure out what you are in this life, we'll talk about when you, what you were in last life. So let's not so worry about Gilgal coming back, not coming back. Worry about what you gotta do here. Don't worry about coming back. You gotta worry about what you gotta, what you gotta do here. So, Kairach! How do we get into Gilgal? We got into Gilgal. Right. Well, I don't talk about it that much anymore. Because some people get scared. Um, so, so, Kairach, it brings down, the Avas Chaim brings down something very fascinating. Kairach was a Gilgal of Kayin. And, 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 and Moshe, this machlek between Kairach and Moshe, and Moshe was a Gilgal of Hevel. Now I'm going to tell you, I'm going to prove it to you. Okay? So, what was the Avera? What was the Avera of Cain? Right? So Cain brought a carbon, no, he brought a carbon, 
All right? And he brought not such good stuff. And I, the smoke didn't go up. And then Hevel brought a carbon, and it went straight up. So, he killed them, right? What does it say in the Pasuk? This is fascinating. He said, With your brother, and the famous answer, Hashem what do you mean, what am I? A bit of a chutzpah, they said to Hashem, I'm like, I don't watch my brother, like, how should I know where my brother is? What did you do, Hashem said to to, to um, Kayin? Call the me'achicha, the voice of the blood of your brother, so Akim Eli Mina Adama is crying to me from the earth. Blood cries. But the Lashon of the Pasuk is that the blood of your brother is crying to me from the earth. And Hashem said, You are cursed from the earth, Asha Patsasa as Piha, that opened its mouth. You're cursed from the earth that opened its mouth. That sucked up the blood of your, of your, your brother's blood. Okay. Now, if we go to Pasha Kairach, very fascinating. What was, okay, so what, why did he kill him? What was the basis? Why did he kill him? Why did Cain kill Hevel? Because he was jealous that his carbon was accepted and his carbon was not accepted. What was Kairach's fight with Moshe? Exact. Same fight. He said, why do you bring karbanos, Aaron? You set this whole thing. Aaron brings karbanos and I cannot bring karbanos. The same jealousy that Cain had for Hevel. Now Cain came back in Korach and Moshe came back and, and Hevel came back in Moshe. The same jealousy Korach is now having for Moshe. So the stage is set. They're now the same test. Last time you failed, you killed him, right? This time, Hashem set it up that over a carbon, same thing, Kairach's going to be jealous. What is Kairach going to do? Well, you're going to ask me, well, what about it being in the same place? What did the Pasuk and Nayak said? You're cursed from the earth that opened, that opened its mouth to drink the blood of your brother. What is his name, Pasha's Kairach? Says what happened? What was the punishment? Listen to this. And the earth opened its mouth. And it swallowed them all up. So where the Avera happened, where the blood of he- of Heva went into the earth, where did it go? In Pioret, in the mouth of the earth. Where was Karach? Will he fall into what opened up? The mouth of the earth. Now there's a mission in Perek Yavos. I don't have a, a sitter in front of me. But there's a mission in Perek Yavos in the fifth Perek. And the mission says, Ten things were created. Ben Hashemashes Erev Shabbos. Right before Shabbos. Pia Asa in the mouth of the mouth of the donkey. Pia Aret in the mouth of the earth. So the mission says that there's only one mouth of the earth that was created. So if a mouth of the earth swallowed the blood of Hevel, and a mouth of the earth um, swallowed Kairach, it has to be the same mouth. Because Hashem only created one mouth. So the whole story of Kairach happened in the exact same spot that Hevel was killed. Because there's only one mouth that Hashem created. Same, what, just one second. One, one, same spot, same test, Jealousy over a karman. Everything is set perfect. What's Kairach going to do? You're going to pass? Or is he going to fail? Yes? What about the And it was not accepted, right. It's exactly the same thing. And he died. He swallowed him up. Yeah. Right. That's exactly what happened. So it was exactly the same test, right? But I'm going to take you a step further. So he failed. He failed the test. He went around. We, we can see inside. He spoke Lashon Hara about uh, about Moshe Rabbeinu. 
He failed, right? What was his punishment? What does it say in Noach? The voice, kol achicha, the voice of your brother, I hear his cries from the ground. How did Hashem punish Kairach? It swallowed him up. And while he was going down, he said, Moshe Emes, it's true. And it brings down that there's a place in the desert, right? Famous story with a place in the desert where an Arab knew where it was, where there are two holes and the smoke of Gehenna are coming out of those holes. And if you put your ear to the hole, you will hear Korach saying, Moshe Emes, it's so what Hashem saying, Pastor Noah, I hear the voice of your brother's blood crying from the earth. What's his punishment? That forever his voice will be crying from the earth. Come on. Come on. Same spot. Same test. Right? He goes down. Mida Kinegamida. You killed Hevel? Your voice called at that time from the earth? Now you wanted to destroy Moshe Abenu, you get the same punishment. What you did to your brother, I'm doing to you. So you want to know if you know what's going on in this world? No, you don't know what's going on in this world. We know nothing. Kairach is Kayin. Moshe is Hevel. This is crazy stuff. Same place, same spot, same test. And Kairach failed again. And we all get that chance in life. And how do you know what, why you're back? How does a person know why they're back? The thing that you have the hardest thing overcoming, that's what, what happened last time. Because what happens is, so just you gotta let this sink in, okay? Listen carefully. How do you know that the hardest thing you have right now to overcome? Boys, move, I don't know, whatever it is. Jealousy, anger, being not giving tzedakah, whatever you are challenged with all the time. It's something you just... Fighting, losing, fighting, losing, fighting, 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 right? That's why you're back. How do you know that's true? Because what's the DNA that they put into your soul before you came down here? The DNA that you have to fix is what you did wrong last time. That's what they put in your soul. So that's in your soul. And that's the hardest thing. You, you, didn't, you didn't do it last time. So now you're walking into this test with a piece of the Avera that you did last time, so that's the one that's going to keep over and over and over. You were cheap, a poor man came to you, you let him die, whatever it was, so now you're coming to this world and you're a miser. Whatever that Avera, whatever it was, whatever it caused, right? That's, you know, last night my boys were looking at me like, you know, because I was saying, whatever you did wrong, you know, so maybe I, you know, I, I, I was a teacher and I, teaching girls and I told them the wrong thing. Now I got to come back and, you know, teach thousands of people the right thing. I don't know, and they're all looking at me like, Rebbe, like, you know, what's going on? I'm like, I don't know. Who knows? Who knows what the tikkun is? But that's not the tikkun. The tikkun is not what you do. The tikkun is what you don't do. The tikkun is what you're, what you're, what you're stressing, what you're having a hard problem with. You know, the not being jealous, it's a big thing. To work out on your, in yourself, not to be jealous. So the thing that you're struggling with the most is that DNA marker from last time you were here. And that's what you have to work on. That's the main thing you have to work on to fix the thing that you struggle with most. Because the reason you're struggling with most is because that's the DNA that, that came from the last time, what you, whatever you did. So this whole thing of Kairach was a, was a, was a story of Gilgal. But the, the main part of what happened here was, was Lashon Hara. It was all based on Lashon Hara. And what is Lashon Hara based in? Lashon Hara is based in jealousy. That's where it comes from. You don't talk bad about... I don't like Brussels sprouts. Before now, you can't even buy Brussels sprouts because it's full of bugs. I don't like asparagus. And don't write me letters. I'm going to get you to like asparagus. You never ate my asparagus. Don't send me letters, okay? And don't send me asparagus. Right? I don't like asparagus. Am I going to talk Russian horror on asparagus? I'm going to get up and say, eh, asparagus is a very bad vegetable and it's really green and has a terrible color. Of course not. Because I'm not jealous of asparagus. So when people think I'm speaking Russian horror, because I don't like that person. No. You don't talk Lush and her about things you don't like. You talk Lush and her about people and things that you're jealous of. I'm not jealous of asparagus. I don't like asparagus. I'm not talking about it because I'm not jealous of it. You understand? So I don't like certain colors, lime green. I don't like that color. I don't especially don't like that color in a car. And I need to get up and say a whole speech on like, I want to tell you about lime green. It's a terrible color. You should never buy it. Don't ever buy any clothing with it. Of course not. 
because I'm not jealous of lime green. But Rebbe, you don't like lime green. Well, you don't talk sure about things you don't like. You talk about you talk about Lushanar if you go deep inside, like just the opposite, you things you do like that you don't have and the other person has. That's where Lushanhara comes from. You don't talk Lushanhara about Martians. Don't want to get up and talk Lushanhara. They don't exist. Right? You talk about Lushanhara because if you go deep down into the Avera of Lushanhara, it's coming from a place where you're actually jealous. You don't talk about people that you're not jealous of. Because why would I talk about bad about them? What am I, what's my gain? It's my gain. It's my gain. Right? My only gain is that if, I, if she has something and I'm jealous of her, so by talking Lushan Hara, I'm going to put her down. I'm putting her down. I won't have to be jealous of her anymore. So the whole, the whole Lushan Hara, the whole... And it's such a terrible Avera. It's, it's such a destructive sin because even if you take it back, I'll tell you a story. There's this kid and he always talked bad about other kids. All the time he talked bad about other kids. And they didn't know what to do. They said the therapy didn't work. So his father came up with a brilliant idea. He said, listen, when you want to talk about a kid, take a nail, go outside, we had a wooden fence, take a nail, knock it into the fence. And don't, and, and let, take it out on the nail. Bang that nail, bang that nail. But don't say Lashonara. Okay? So it was very interesting. He started banging nails. And this kid loved to talk Lashonara. So every time he felt like that, banging nails, the whole fence! full of hundreds of nails. But he grows up and soon he doesn't need to bang nails anymore. He just get used to not talking bad about people. So his father said, now I have another idea. Every time you want to talk bad about someone and you don't, take a nail out. Because you already accomplished, you, you captured your mida. Right? So... One nail, two nail, five nails. He's really getting good at it. People are saying bad. He's not answering. He's no Rechilas, no Moiti Shem. He's, he's unbelievable. It takes him about six months. There's no nails anymore in the fence. So the father tells the son, Ah, Baruch Hashem. But let me take you outside. I want to show you something. And he shows him that the fence is full of holes. So when you talk bad about someone, even if you take it back, ladies, there's a hole. You hurt somebody. And it doesn't go away. So the father said, even if you, even if you ask Mechil and you remove it, because at the end of the day, if I got up right now and spoke something, just as a joke, I made fun of someone and I spoke bad about them and then I said, ah, I'm just kidding. You're thinking, he wasn't kidding, but he felt bad, so now he said he's kidding. She's really, she's really that. You can't take it back. Words can't, you cannot take back words. So the father showed him, as it happens to be in this, in this safer, the father showed him that even though you pulled all the nails out, but look at the holes you caused. So we have to be very, very careful. This is the parsha. This is the parsha. We see that, that it brings down here that the only time that God punishes children because of their parents is a machlaikas. Because the pasuk said that when the earth opened up, it swallowed the men, the women, the tents, Everything that they owned and their babies. So the Mephoshim asks, and their babies? says, yes, when it comes to Machlaikas, the babies go too. So it's something you have to be very, very careful. Because this week's Pasha. But I want to tell you, I want to tell you an unbelievable Ma'amlayas, just so that you can understand the level that a person can reach. It's late, but okay, we're going to tell it to you very fast. So Ma'amlayas says like this. First of all, Who got Kairach? All these years, Kairach was quiet, right? What happened all of a sudden that he went after my Shabbat? So, Chazal say that there are two kinds of women in this Pasha. One woman killed her whole family and her husband, which was Kairach's wife, Aisha's Kairach. And one woman saved her husband and saved her whole family. And that was the wife of Om Ben Pelas, which is one of the biggest stories in my sheer rationalization because... Om Ben Peles came home and said, I am joining Korach. I'm going against Moshe. So she said, what's going on? She said that according to, um, according to what Korach is saying, Korach should be the kind, also kind Gadol. He should also be able to bring Kitares. She said, okay. But if he's right what he's saying, you're definitely not a kind Gadol, right? You're not from Shevet Levi even. You're going to die. So why would you join... Even if he's right and he lives, you're going to die anyway because if you bring Ketores and Ace Zara, if you're not a Kayan, the fire's going to come out. None of my view, even the worker had a fire came out and killed him. So she looked at her husband and said, what, are you crazy? You're going to go join this guy? You, you can't win, right? 
So he said that when you when you when you when you're in jealousy mode, when you're in that mode, you, there's no logic. You know that famous Rashi I tell you all the time about Chava. Rashi says Chava. She ate from the Eitzadas. She knew Tovara. She knew good and bad. Right? She was like Hashem. That's why she ate it. She wanted to be like Hashem. So she knew. Why did she give it to her husband? He was some guy walking around. He only knew Tov. Everything was good. I burnt your toast. Thank you. I love burnt toast. Um, I haven't done your laundry in two weeks. Oh, fantastic. Dirty laundry. I love dirty laundry. He only had a Yates of Tov. There was no bad in him. So she had the perfect husband. A zombie. All done. Walking around. Everything's great. Everything's great. Listen. Since just got kicked out of Yeshiva. Great. Everything's good. Tov. She had the perfect man. So Rashi says, why did, why did she give to him to eat from the tree? The minute she gave to him to eat from the tree, she, he was equal to her. Now she was above him. She was, she was godly. She had good and bad. So Rashi says, why did she give him to eat from the tree? So Rashi says, because once she ate from the tree and she realized that one day she's going to die, she said, Shema Thomas, I'm going to die. Well, who Yichia? And he's going to live. Uh-uh. That ain't happening. If I die, he dies. You're talking about Chava here, right? You're talking about she was created by Hashem's hand. She didn't have a belly button, no umbilical cord. She had no parents, okay? So how could she do that to her husband? She actually killed him. If she wouldn't have given him from the Eitzadah, he would have never died. So Rashi says, because she made a husband in her head, I'm going to die. I ate from the tree. He should live forever and I should die? No way. I go, he goes. And she gave him from the tree to eat. Rashi says, why did it bother her that, why did it bother her if she lives, and if, if she dies and he lives? What does it bother you? Shema, Yisa, Acheres. Because once I'm dead, he's going to marry someone else. Jealousy. Frank Chazal, there was no other woman in the world. Who was he going to marry? His daughter? Those are the only two girls in the world. Right? Hevel had a twin and, and Kain had a twin. So there were no... What was Chava worried about? There was no... Oh, I, he, I'm going to die and he's going to marry someone else over my dead body. Exactly. That's where the saying came from, right? So... So what happened here? Chava, he has no one else to marry. What are you worried about? And the answer is, her Avera, the essence of her sin, was when the Nachash said, God has something you don't have. God knows good from bad and you don't know it. So the essence of her sin was jealousy. Once she became jealous, it didn't even make sense what she was doing to her husband because there was no other woman. It doesn't have to make sense. You can be jealous of someone else's car, but you don't drive. But why does she have such a beautiful car? And I don't, but you don't even drive. I, I'm going for a permit. But right now you don't drive, so you don't need a car. I, I will drive one day, maybe in 20 years. When it comes to jealousy, there's no cheshman. We don't make a cheshman. So, so over here, Omben Peles, he wasn't making a cheshman. He was like, it doesn't matter. Moshe Rabbeinu has to go down. Even if I'm going to die, he has to go down. Oman Pelos' wife said, I'm not losing my husband. So she gave him to drink wine. And he fell asleep. And she sat at the door. She knew Karach, they were coming. The boys were coming to pick him up. We're going against Moshe. And she sat at the, ed- at the edge of her tent. And she took off her shaitel. And she was sitting there with her hair uncovered. And these tzaddikim, Hi. A woman with her hair uncovered? We don't want such a guy. He's not holy enough to be with us. So they left. And I don't remember, I once heard a bomb. If anyone who's listening to this shir can send me an email or leave me a message. I heard a bomb. Why? She uncovered her hair. She could have on a short skirt. She could have done a lot of other things to get rid of them. There's something about, she was trying to teach Karach a lesson. I don't know why specifically. I once heard it. I remember I went crazy. Why she uncovered her hair? Why specifically that she knew that Karach wouldn't take her husband? I don't remember the answer. But it's something to do with, I don't know. So if anyone knows the answer, why did she uncover her hair? Not uh, close the door, say he's not home, pull up her skirt. There's a lot of other things she could have done that they would have said she's not holy, right? There's, there's a reason. If anyone knows that reason, I would appreciate them to send me the answer. Okay. Let's end, and then I'm going to tell you a story when the tape is off. Because I can't tell if you when the tape is on. Everyone who's watching, I'm really sorry. But if you want to know those stories, you've got to come to the shirk. Watching is not good enough. They all came here tonight. They have a right to know the story. 
After we turn off the tape, I'm going to tell them one of the most amazing stories they ever heard. But I'm not telling it to you guys. Okay. So, listen to who Moshe Rabbeinu and Aharon HaKoyen, who they were. So, she, the wife of Korach, made, him, made Korach crazy. When he, when she said, what did you learn? I learned about tzitzes, three white string, one blue string. She said, go ask Moshe if the whole thing is blue. Do you need tzitzes at all? And he made fun of him. And she was, she was really riling him up, specifically because my husband did it, is not, he's from Sheva Levi, and he's not Aaron, and I want him to be like Aaron. A woman can do that, even if it makes no sense. And Korach Lemaise, in the, in the beginning, wasn't really that against Moshe. She stirred the pot. I want, I want you to hear a story that they made up, this whole gang, right? Made up a story and they said the following. Listen to this. So now everyone's talking against the leader and everyone wants to hear anti-Moshe because really, inside, there were a lot of Jews that were jealous of Moshe. He went up on Hasina, he was very close to Hashem, he spoke Pe'opeh, he took the Jews out of his tribe. So they were people, right? The name of the shir, by the way, that I'm giving tonight, I'm telling you anytime, is called Success Breeds Contempt. People ha- hate successful people. They hate them. Because you look at your own inefficiencies, like how come I didn't think of that? How come I'm not that person? So unsuccessful people nobody's jealous about. You'll never hear people write rumors about people that are not successful. People that are successful, success breeds contempt. Who was more successful than Moshe Rameno? So there was a lot of contempt. A lot of people in Klai Yisrael, but they don't like him. And we're waiting for him to fall. A lot. So, some. I'm going to say a lot. I don't know how many, but some. Anyway. So listen to the story that they made up. Amazing. So they got together and they said, Finally, everybody, we have to tell you about a story with Moshe and his brother, Aaron. Listen to this story. He said, in my neighborhood, Karach said, in my neighborhood, there was a very poor Almana. Okay? A very poor widow. And she had two daughters. And all her property that was left after her husband died, was one field, a little teeny field, and from that, her and her two daughters were able to live. And she began, she went out to her field, and she began to plow her field so that she'd have food to eat. Oh, Moshe Rabbeinu shows up. He says, listen, when you plow your field, there's a, there's a law that you're not allowed to use a shor and a chamor together. Okay? You're not allowed to. It's client. You're not allowed to have them both together because they eat differently and one's going to be jealous of the other, whatever. Okay? So she said, okay, well, thank you, Moshe. Thanks for the information. I'll unhitch, I'll unhitch my shor and chamar. All right. Now she began to see the, the ground. Oh, my Allah, Moshe. Moshe said, huh? you can't plant two seeds together, kalayim. You can't put cucumbers and tomatoes together because that's kalayim. She said, okay, I'll, I'll make sure I don't do that. Now she came to harvest. Oh, Moshe showed up. Don't forget, Lechet, Shechem, Peah. Then she went to take the grain and put it in the silo. Ah, oh, Moshe showed up. Don't forget to get Truma. And to the Kayane, to my brother. And Maisha Rishon, to my brother. And Maisha Shani, don't forget. Oh, this poor woman. She was like, I can't, I, I can't, I can't run this field. This is too much for me. So, what'd she do? She sold it. She said, it's too much tircha, too much work. So she sold the field and she bought two lambs with wool. She said, you know what? I can't do that, but I'll, I'll, I'll share the wool and I'll sell the wool. That's how I'm going to feed my children. Okay? So she begins to share the wool. Oh! Aaron Akkoyan shows up and says, eh, you know, that the, that the, first of all, the, the first animal that's born from the sheep is a bachar you have to give to the Kayan. Okay? I'll give you the first animal. Here's the first baby. Then they started to share it. Yeah, he said, you know, there's a halacha that the first shearing, Rashi Tagaz, goes to the Kayane. Hashem said that. So the Almana, the Nebuch, the poor widow, says, until now, I, 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 what's it called? They didn't leave me alone, Moshe and Aaron. So you know what? I've had it. I'm going to shecht. I'm going to slaughter and, and my, my both lambs. I can't deal with this. So, Keshat the Aisam. So she shechts them. Aaron shows up and says, you know, when you shecht an animal, the Kayan gets the Zroya, the Lachayan, the Keva. The Almana says, I see that even, even when I shecht the animal, I killed my animal, I still can't get rid of you guys. She says, you know what? Keep both animals for Hegdish, for the Mishkan. I don't want it anymore. And now they had no food. And what happens? 
they all died. They died from hunger. This is what Kairach and his whole Chavra is telling all Kleistral. They're all into this. This is your great leader Moshe. This is how he treats Almanas. Look at him, right? And Moshe and Aaron say, no, no, it's a mitzvah, it's all Hashem, right? Well, let's see if it's not true. Moshe Abbeinu standing there and he's saying, what are you talking about? And the people believe this. He says, how could you believe this? Number one, you can't starve in the Midbar, there's mon. Every day, every morning, every Jew got mon. And every day, they got water. So what do you mean that she and her two daughters died of hunger? They couldn't have died of hunger. Everybody had mon. Number one. Number two, we're in the desert. Nobody has a piece of land. So this whole story about the field, and I came by, and it, there's no field. The land was given in Eretz Yisrael. We're in the desert. We're way before Eretz Yisrael. So we don't have land. Nobody could starve. What are you talking about? But since the rumor left, the hole, the hole in the wall, since the rumor left, the whole Klai Yisrael was cocking. By the time Moshe got up and said, this is a lie, how could it be true? You can't starve in the Midbar and there is no land. It already was, Lush and Hara is like a fire. And it just spreads. And what was the punishment? The punishment was, okay, so what happened? Listen to this. The earth opens up, swallows everybody. The 250, um, you know, leaders of Klai Yisrael put fire in their Ketairas. A fire comes from Shemayim decimates them, there's a little pile of ashes left of them, right? You'd think that Klai Yisrael would be, uh, I don't think we should be messing with Moshe and Aaron. They get swallowed, they get burnt to a crisp. Okay, Moshe, I guess Moshe and Aaron are right. That's not what happened. You know what Klai Yisrael said? Klai Yisrael said, the next morning, it's unbelievable, Moshe and Aaron, what it could do. The next morning, let's see what, yeah. The next day they should have said, Moshe Ben was so sorry that we were chayshed, you were so sorry. What did they say? They all complained and yelled at them and said, You, two of you, you're murderers. Look how many Jews you killed. Look how many Jews died because of you. Instead of saying, we're sorry, look what just happened. The next morning, they went to Moshe and Aaron and said, you two, you're murderers. You're bad enough getting, you got no, you're murderers. Hashem could not watch this anymore. Hashem said, that's it. I am not putting up with what they're doing to Moshe Rabbeinu. So Hashem sent his five worst angels to destroy Klai Yisrael. Right? His five worst angels. What did Moshe Rabbeinu do? He should have said, you know what? They deserve it. The way they're at. Look at, they're calling us murderers. Now here's the lesson. We're going to end with this. Moshe said, he, he saw, he saw, what are their names? Ketzef, Af, Chema, Mashkes, and Charon. One of the four angels that went through Mitzrayim and killed every Bechar. The first one is Ketzef, right? These are called Malachi Chabola. Malachim of destruction. And he saw them coming towards the camp of, Eretz, of, of Klai Yisrael. And he realized that Hashem was going to destroy Klai Yisrael. So, there was a plague. They, they're, they're a plague. They're like the black plague. You know, these plagues. So this is what these Malachim do. And Moshe Rabbeinu saw this coming. So he, he ran to Aaron and he told Aaron, right away, go to the Mizbeach, put, put kitaires, put spices in your pan and a fire, and run into where the Jews are dying from the, from the plague, run into the middle, run around, and the plague will stop. How did Moshe Rabbeinu know that? Because when he was in, he was in, in Shemayim, for the 40 days, every Malach before he left, gave him a present. The Malach Amaves, he came to Malach Amaves, says, you didn't give me a present. Malach Amaves said, I'll give you a present. The present is, that whenever there's a plague, Kitores will stop the plague. And I read a story that uh, maybe 200 years ago, the Black Plague was in a city and everybody was dying. And they took 10 tzaddikim and they went around the city and they said the psukim of Kitores, of Maishu Kitores, and the plague stopped. So Kitores has an unbelievable power. Moshe Rabbeinu knew this from the Malach Amaves. So he told Aaron, run, not get revenge, run, stop the plague. 
So the Ma'am lawyer says that Aaron said to Moshe Rabbeinu, time out, time out. Two problems here. Number one, if I go and put a fire in the, you're only allowed to bring the Keturus in the Mizbeach. If I do an H Zara, I take this Keturus in a pan and run with it and leave the, right? I'm going to get, I'm going to look at my two, my two children. Nadam Aviyu put a strange fire by the Keturus and they were both killed on the spot. So I'm going to do the same thing. I'm going to get killed on the spot. That's one, number one. Number two, the Jews are going to kill me. You just heard that they called us murderers. And the last time I had a pan of fire in my hand, what happened? All the 250 died on the spot. So they're going to think when I run into the crowd with the fire that I'm going to kill, I'm taking revenge. And I'm going, to, now you're going to get it too. Just like the other guys just got it. They're going to kill me on the spot. The minute they see me with Kutairas, last time I had Kutairas, everyone died. So they're going to think, not that I'm coming to save them, they're going to think I'm coming to kill them to get revenge. They're going to kill me. I can't go. Moshe Rabbeinu was just ripped, right? They called him a murderer. They called him, they, they st- started a rumor that he starts up with married women. It says to the point where he would walk past the tent and the men would take their wives and schlep him into the tent because Moshe is such a bad, he's going to attack you, he's going to attack you. So, so Kaisal took Moshe Rabbeinu and after everything he did for them and look what they did to him. Now listen to what Moshe Rabbeinu tells Aaron. Aaron's like, I'm not going because I'm going to get killed. This is what Moshe Rabbeinu says. He says the following. He says, "Vim Shema Thomas Tyrus. If you think that you're going to die because you're taking the Tyrus, He says, "Listen to me, Aaron. What? What do you say to Ellis in English? What use is life going to be to you? If they all die, if all our Jews die." And me and you, Tisher B'chayim, are going to remain alive? There's no use, there's no use in living. So, if we don't do this, if you don't go and stop the death, everyone's going to die. If they all die, so why are you worried about dying? Because there's no use in living without Kleistral. This is after everything, okay? After everything. He tells his brother, now don't worry about yourself. He says, and, and you go in there and you try to be a kapara for what they did. Aaron, be happy if you die. If you die and because you saved them, be happy that you died. This is after Kleisro did it to these two. Oma Aaron. Aaron answered Moshe Rabbeinu. Halavai. Halavai, I should die, and they should all remain alive. And my death should be a kapara for them. So here you see the difference between a kairach va'adasai and a Moshe and an Aaron. After everything they went, the lashon hara, the rechilus, the, the embarrassing them in the public, everything that they went through, Moshe Abenu's line to Aaron is that if we live and they all die, what's life worth living for? True, true leaders. And that's the kayak that every one of us, that's what we have to strive from. At the end of the day, if my brothers are suffering and I'm not, what's what's it worth? What's it worth? They're my brothers, this is my family. That's where, that's where Moshe and Aaron, that was the level that they were, that they were able to grow. So, it's a, it's a terrible parasha in a way. It's a terrible parasha. It's a tragedy. But the lesson to be learned here is, number one, that you will be put in a situation, the reason that you're here. And it will be a very hard situation. And it will be in the same place. And the person has to overcome it. That, that's the tikkun. Kerech had another chance to be in it, and he wasn't. Moshe Rabbeinu, we'll end with this. Moshe Rabbeinu also was a, was, a, was a Gilgal of someone else. He was a Gilgal of Noyach. He had a DNA marker from Noyach. What, why did Noyach have to come back to the world? Why did Noyach have to come back to the world? What did he do wrong? He didn't save the world. It's very nice. He saved himself with his family in the Teva, but he didn't save the world. So Hashem said, you have to come back. So Moshe Rabbeinu came back with Noach's. What happened? Hashem put him in the exact same situation. He went over to Moshe Rabbeinu and he said, after the Kalei did the Egel, he said... 
I will destroy the whole Jewish nation, and from you will come the new generation. What does Hashem say to Noach? I will destroy the whole world, and from you and your children will come the new world. Now Noah comes back at Moshe, there's an Egel, Hashem puts him in the exact same test. He says to him, I will destroy Klai Yisrael, and from you and your family will come the new Klai Yisrael. Same exact Gilgal test. What did Moshe Rabbeinu answer? He fixed. He was Mesakein Noach. What did he answer? Mocheni no No. This time I'm not making the same mistake. If they go, I go with them. And I saw a Chazal that says, that if Noach would have said that, in Pasha's Noach, by the Marvel, if Noach would have said to Hashem, that if you destroy the world, I'm not building a Teva. If you destroy the world, me and my children and my wife, we go with them, Hashem would not have destroyed the world. I saw such a Chazal. Had Noah said what Moshe Rabbeinu said, the world would have never been destroyed. It's, it's wild. So Moshe Rabbeinu said, he was Misakein. Here's where a person, Kairach, was not Misakein. He didn't fix it. Moshe Rabbeinu was Misakein. How do you know that he, that he fixed what happened by Noah? What, what did he say to Hashem? Mocheni no misifracha. Now that I fixed what happened, Mocheni spells, Memches Nun Yud, flip the words, May Noach. The words of Noach, No erase misifracha. Now that I fixed it, right? The rain, the May Noach, the rain of Noach, the destruction of the world, erase it from your safer. Erase what I did wrong. I have a true tikkun. The word Mecheni spells May Noach. So we all have that, we all have that Koyach. May Hashem give you all the schus and the status. You've just experienced another Torah class brought to you by TorahAnytime.com.